Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hello my loves, welcome to Unfollowing Mum. This is a podcast for cycle breakers and I am your host Harriet Shearsmith. In today's episode I'm going to be talking to the wonderful Michaela Tyson all about the mother wound. So let's get into it. Right, well hi guys. Today is a very special episode because I am speaking to Michaela Tyson and I could not be more excited. This is someone that I have followed online for quite a time, especially on TikTok, where she talks a lot about shadow work, generational trauma and estrangement. So hello Michaela and thank you so much for being here. Hi Harriet, thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this conversation. Oh, I I love the way that you create online um, and create a space for people to feel like they're not alone and to highlight estrangement and all of the things that I talk about here, really, um, and create a space where people can feel like they can be seen, they can be heard, because I think that's one of the most difficult things with this is it's it can be so shrouded in shame. And I love that on your, your Instagram page, you have mother wound and then you have shame alchemist. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely love that that so before we go any further can you kind of tell us a bit about what you do and how you came to be talking about these things online yeah absolutely so um so what I do gosh this is is a question that I get asked so often I'm like wow like for such it's 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 often really intangible but essentially what I do is I help women release the shame that they hold on to uh, and that has largely centered around the mother wound because as we know at the core of the mother wound is shame mm-hmm. uh, I've been doing this for about well I've been doing my own healing on the mother wound and researching it for for almost a decade now and one thing that I've come to realize is to a certain degree all women harbor shame and hold on to mm-hmm. shame and shame huge part in our narrative um, as a, as a collective as women so my work really has evolved into um, how that plays a part in in our stories and, and helping women release that so that they can stop sabotaging themselves stop censoring themselves you know playing small um, fear of being liked all of those things and really um, honor what they want and um a large part of that is um, is self-expression, um, which I think, especially if you link that back to the mother wound, um, there's a huge there's a huge part of the mother wound that that makes us suppress and you know shame, cut off, hide parts of ourselves, especially if those parts were never accepted by our mother. So. Yeah, that's a huge part of what I do um, now. Um, and my, my work centers mostly around relationships and relationship to self, mostly. Yeah, I love that. And I just for anybody who is thinking, what on earth does she mean, the mother wound? Can you kind of give us an yeah. overview on what that actually means? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you asked that because 
I I think I tend to forget now that you know it is still very much a term that people are like oh okay what is that what what does that mean and it doesn't mean your relationship to your children um it means essentially I think the simplest way to describe the mother wound is it's a set of internalized limiting beliefs that you unconsciously hold as a result of the relationship to your mother and you might want to play that a couple of times but yeah that's essentially what it is in its simplest form yeah and that really when you everything that we know about psychology about how we tick relates back Mm -hmm. to our childhood to those those first crucial years and when you've not had that positive relationship or if you've not had the emotional connection that you perhaps needed it makes sense that it leaves a wound. It's just a wound that we can't see. And I think sometimes when we can't see it, it's so easy to dismiss it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think this is such an important point because one thing I talk about really often is I, you know, if you'd have asked me 10 years ago what my relationship was like to my mother, you know, I would have told you she was my best friend. And oh, I God, yes. <laughs> you know, and I think this is so important because it's not obvious. And, you know, on the surface, it's not something that we are necessarily aware of. You know, most of the women that I speak to come to this work and these realizations after having children themselves. Yes. Especially if they've had a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily, but it just seems to be like, holy shit, she's me. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's not obvious. And, it, you know, and even now I've come to a place where, you know, I I have wonderful memories of my mom and my childhood. However, I can also recognize that there were um, there were things that meant I didn't get what I needed emotionally. You know, my mum very much had her own wounds and still does. Uh, and I think this is a really important piece in terms of um, the, the blaming um, and the shaming of um, mothers, which, which is not the case. That's not what this work is about at all. Yeah, and I think it's quite often, I mean, I, I said to you just before we started recording, I will get the, oh, this is just slagging off your parents. And yeah. it's not at all. And I think that's a really common misconception that when we speak out about toxic, and I, we saw it recently, actually, with um, the Prince Harry book that came out, yeah. everything yeah. was, oh, you're just slating. And actually, I read yeah. that book, and I, I there wasn't really any slating that went on it was more casting a light on these are the toxic behaviors I've experienced and that's obviously going a bit left field whether you have positive or negative opinions about that particular scenario is irrelevant to this part of the conversation because I think it it runs as a, a thread all the way through conversations surrounding toxic family dynamics. If you speak out about them or you challenge generational trauma and try and break the cycle, well, then you're being derogatory or you're slagging off or you're you're speaking ill. You should be quiet or because it makes us really uncomfortable. And that's not the case at all. You can acknowledge what went wrong whilst not being derogatory and you Mm -hmm. can acknowledge where that that pain comes from where that wound comes from and where you don't want to pass that on to your children without it being a case of blame and I you know I look at my own mum as you said there are those wounds that I can see those and I do firmly believe that my mum is a narcissist um mm-hmm. I never get any kind of diagnosis on that we know that um and I can see narcissistic traits in my upbringing but I don't necessarily blame her for that and I think that's the thing that's quite often missed is that talking about dysfunction talking about toxic family dynamics it's not necessarily a blame game it's a case of saying how can we make sure that this doesn't happen again because we know that this is a cycle yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and you know one thing I've definitely realized on my own journey I've been estranged now from my mum for three years uh, and it was a very on and off thing it wasn't a decision that I made and then it just happened it's the emotional intelligence piece like the more that I've been doing this work and healing the relationship to myself which we can talk about that a little bit more in in a moment but it is the relationship to your mother if that is your relationship to self that's your blueprint and as you heal that more, um, you're, you create more emotional freedom and more emotional intelligence. And that helps, well, it's definitely helped me hold multiple truths, you know. I can, um, 
I can honor my experience. I can acknowledge what was my reality and what is my reality and still choose to not have a relationship with my mum. And that doesn't have to mean anything. And I think where often, you know, we can fall into the trap of and other people then judges, you know, judge it is we make it mean something. Um, and that's just not, it doesn't have to be the case at all. That's a really good point, actually, because I think it's there is so much focus put on the estrangement itself and on things like forgiveness I've had people say to me you know you you will feel so much better if you forgive her and it's that assumption that we can't forgive we can't be um even unemotional even if it's not a I forgive you for everything you've done but I just a I'm unemotional towards this I've accepted it as truth this was my experience and that's where it ends that's the end that's you know that's the full stop as opposed Mm. to um accepting that just because we don't have that relationship doesn't mean that we haven't put that full stop there just because we've chosen to stay estranged doesn't mean we can't look at that either in that unemotional way or look at it um with forgiveness and say okay yeah no I'm not holding you uh, I'm not holding that against you. I'm not um, looking at you, hating you. I'm just accepting that this was my truth and that my life is better without you in it. That That's something that I think is missed so often in the estrangement conversation because it's almost like, well, if you had come to terms with it, if you had forgiven, you would have that relationship. And actually, no, you wouldn't, not necessarily. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think the most important one of the most important pieces in this is, and this is something I have realized is the most important piece on forgiveness is forgiving yourself. And that's where the work is. And, you know, when I really flipped the script and went within and worked on forgiving myself for everything that I believed made me unlovable Mm. and I believed whether, well, it was, it was very unconscious, but the part I believed I played in my mother, um, Mm her behaviors towards me and worked on forgiving that and myself um everything changed for me do you know why is it so hard to and I have this conversation with my therapist all the time Mm. why is it so hard for us to forgive ourselves I look back and you know my estrangement from my mum happened in a quite dramatic uh, toxic way mum was living with us at the time so I had to ask her to move out the house there was legal proceedings it was really damaging and yet Mm. I hold so much blame within myself for not seeing it sooner not seeing our relationship before not realizing that what we had was not a best friend relationship what we had was not closeness it was a complete enmeshment and a complete takeover of me I still now Mm -hmm. really struggle with that forgiveness for self I still look back and think well if I'd have really put my foot down or if I'd have moved out or if I'd have done this or if I'd have not bought this house and it's always if 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 and if Mm -hmm. I had done and I, I, it's something that I have to sit with and say to myself, well, actually, no, that was your upbringing. That was how you perceived things. That was how you were raised to believe was the right thing. So you have to kind of cut yourself a bit of sack with that. But I can't work out why it's so difficult for us to do that. Do you want me to shed some light on that? I do indeed. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I believe. And this is what I have seen to be true, especially with, I've worked with so many women now on this and, you know, you made a really good point there. And I totally relate to you. Like one of the things that I struggle with the most is how much of a hard time I give myself Mm. when people meet me, it, you know, they meet me and they know me and it breaks their heart. How, you know, especially how I used to speak to myself. And I'm sure you've probably had people say the same thing to you. Um, And one thing I I know to be true is, you know, you take your mother out of the equation completely. And this is why the mother wound is, I believe, so crucial and fundamental to um, your relationship to yourself, because you take her out of the equation, it's still there. Like the patterns are still there. The wounding is still there. And, you know, I I hear a lot of women and this was me too, but I like, but she's not even like, I've done the thing. Like she's not in my life anymore. Like, why am I still this way? Why does it still bother me? And one thing, especially with the self-deprecating piece is 
we we believe that there is more control when we give ourselves a hard time when we pull ourselves apart when we shame ourselves we Mm -hmm. see that shame as fuel and we believe that we have more control that way and we believe we have more power over ourselves and the situation and the unknown if we pull ourselves apart over the situation oh do you know I've never even thought of it that way but do you know that that makes so much sense so even putting it down to I've I had a day off yesterday because I was with my daughter took her to mm-hmm. Warner Brothers studio to do a Harry Potter tour if you're listening yeah. and you're in London like <laughs> 10 out of 10 do it. do it it was amazing she had the best time and today my to-do list is so long that Uh, And I said to my husband last night, I'm getting anxious looking at it because these are all things I want to do and I just want to get started now. But if I get started now, I won't relax. And then I won't, and and, and I need to do it, but I'm not working hard enough. And it's that cycle Mm -hmm. of, I put myself in a position where I was starting to feel, and I know it's not achievable what I'm wanting to do, but I was putting myself in that position where there was so much pressure on me. And then the inevitable shame that I hadn't managed to do it all, because I feel like that'll give me the kick up the ass that I need. And it's not, it's just going to make me feel shitty. Mm. But it's also a way to confirm your story to yourself. If you mm. put it in front of you and then don't complete it, you know, it's like, it's it's you being able to still then identify with this story. Um, and yeah, that this pressure, you know, when you take that away, and like I said, it's it's often, it's often like a power, it's a control thing. And, and I see this so much in women, like we believe as women that our power and our control is, is is in that it's in controlling it's in the doing it's in the mm. lists it's in the pressure that we put on ourselves we don't we don't believe especially if we've not had it modeled by our mothers I know I definitely didn't my mum was very like doing she never stopped we don't Same. believe yeah that we we don't see the power or the benefit or the productivity in actually surrendering creating space and you know actually releasing the grip a little bit um that feels incredibly scary it does actually it really does and it's it feels scary to see with you saying that your mum was always doing mine was very much the same you know I was raised with the attitude of well I don't this is a woman that was a nurse I don't have the luxury of being depressed I've not got time for it um I've not got time to relax. I've not got time to do this. And a lot of it would then be relayed to I'm a single mother, which would then come back to me of, oh God, I'm, you know, I'm in the way I'm causing this problem. I am, you know, the reason that she never gets to relax. So it was Mm -hmm. constantly fed, I guess, that narrative that we need to be doing, doing, doing. And that's the way that we can be enough. Mm -hmm. And then it was my fault that she was in that position. And I never really linked them, I don't think, before. I've never really looked at them. I know that relinquishing control for me, um, I can be, well, I think the, the term that we we would use is hyper-independent. I do not mm-hmm. like to ask for help at all. And I know that that comes from a lack of trust. If I mm-hmm. reach out and ask for help, is this going to be thrown back at me? Mm-hmm. And if I allow someone else to take some of the weight take some of the burden what does that actually mean for me who who am I if I'm not the one doing mm-hmm. oh yeah who am I mm-hmm. how powerful is that statement yeah and I think you know something that is so often not discussed and I think I have seen you talk about it before is that when you have this mother wound it's like especially after a strange event, what I am finding so hard, and I'm coming up to three years in um, June, so I have a similar time for full estrangement, but have it all kind of came crashing for me, whereas you'd said you'd been working on researching and learning and doing the shadow work for about a decade. For me, it kind of all came at once. Mm. So I'm not as far on in my journey as you are. And one of the things that I think really hit me was who am I if I'm not if now I've not got my mum in my life and I've not got her essentially blueprinting for me and telling me that this is the way that things should be what do I think and is it okay if I think that like 
or should I think mm-hmm. that what will people think if I have my own opinions and things and that sounds really silly because anybody who's known me will know that I am an incredibly opinionated person but for an awfully long time my opinions were led by my mum's opinions my behavior was mm-hmm. led by my mum's behavior and it's only really when I had my kids and I started to pull away from that that I started to notice and say but I don't act I don't actually believe that or I don't actually agree with you on that and that was a really shocking thing to realize that I'd always Mm -hmm. kind of just parroted like like a a mini clone so how do we connect with that sense of self one thing I like to play around with is having fun with it Mm um I this work is hard, this work is intense, and it's really, really deep, and it's really serious, um, or it can be, and it can feel that way. Yeah. Um, boundaries are so incredibly important. One, one, one question I love, and you just, you said it here, and I remember asking myself for so long, like, who am I? Who am I? Mm. And I've come to realize that that is a really hard question to answer. And even now, you know, you I go through many evolutions and iterations and shedding. Um, yes. And I tend to steer away from that question because it's just a really big question. And even if you ask me that now, I have a pretty solid sense of purpose, but I don't really know. I don't think I could answer that. But how do I want to feel? I feel is a really it's a better question um, and it's a better question to ask yourself especially when you're coming out of this and it all feels a little bit wobbly and you're still figuring it out because everything that we do all of our behaviors and actions are driven by how we want to feel and how we currently feel anyway so asking yourself how you want to feel is a really really I believe good question it's slightly more um, serving one But in terms of coming home to yourself and rebuilding that relationship, I think it's both understanding that, and I think this is a really important thing to talk about because it's understanding that the life that you have created, and you'll really relate to this, I think, but you kind of create a life based on these unconscious patterns and ways of being and beliefs that aren't necessarily yours. And when, when you realize it, you start to look around and think, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, that relationship makes a bit more sense now. And yeah. this more tolerating this is starting to make more. And what tends to happen is we freak out, or I know I did. I started mm. to when you're trying to be a new way and call new things in, um, there's a certain element of falling away that needs to happen. And that is normal and that's supposed to happen and I just for anybody that needs to hear that right now I just want to say that because I held on and resisted that for so so long Um, because wanting change and allowing change to happen are two separate things they are aren't they they really are and two different levels of things I think you know you can really want it and want it in your bones but actually allowing it to happen is really scary yeah yeah and something I like to say especially with the women who I work very closely on the mother wound with and I like to remind them and a lot of my clients take this and write it anywhere and put it in there put it somewhere they can see it Um, and that is you've you may not realize this yet but you have already survived the very thing that you felt like you couldn't survive. Like that little girl inside of you that hasn't quite caught up yet, she's not realised and caught up to the fact that you've already survived the very thing that she feels like she can't survive, which is loss of mother. Yeah. Oh, that's really powerful. Yeah, and sometimes... I remind myself of that, you know, when I'm going through something really hard, um, you know, really confronting. Um, I mean, honestly, and this is this is kind of a result of a lot of the work and it's just, you know, it's possible, you know, there's not much that scares me now. Like there's yeah. as somebody I lived in fear, you know, I rarely left the house. I used to be afraid of everything. And now, you know, I travel the world with my kids and there's not much that I feel like I can't handle at all. And that is born from this, like a deep understanding 
um, and connection with my inner child that we've already survived and you know the way that I remother her you know she just feels so incredibly safe and and that's that's what this work does and that's what you can you know as you walk this path that's what you're creating is that is that inner mother that you needed for yourself yeah and I love that because I think and I've really started to look into reparenting yourself and at first you kind of listen to it and you think reparent that sounds quite kooky it's I mean I'm a grown-up now I'm the parent do I really need to do that but actually yes a hundred percent especially if you've had that negative uh, experience as a child reparenting yourself is a huge part of and when you're a mum yourself learning how to parent when you've not got that positive role model when you've not had that experience of you know like I look back at so much of my childhood and I again my therapist, I'd struggle quite often to say, okay, that was abusive behavior or that was really toxic behavior. I still feel quite defensive of my mum at times. Um, and I will sort of say to her, you know, yeah, but ugh, it could have been worse. And she'll say, okay, so if that were to happen to your children, oh no, that would be horrendous. That's not acceptable. That's abuse. I wouldn't. And she'd say, okay, so now you need to look at yourself and say that was what that experience was. And that's okay, because now I've got this. And I've, so it relates back to what you'd said with you are, you know, you've, you've done that. You've, you've had that experience, you've survived it. So now it's up to you what you do next. You've, you've had the Mm -hmm. worst. And I love that mentality because since cutting ties with my mom and since kind of stepping into my own and having the worst of the worst happen over the last few years, I feel like I'm coming into my own confidence like I'm looking not to other people for that validation and for the answers but to myself and saying well how do you feel about this and that's the big difference yeah it's huge it's huge and you know something as well that I found with this work and I I've not gone kind of too much into it on on this conversation but the mother wound kind of has four four um, aspects to it and that's personal so that's your personal mother wound it's the planetary mother wound so it's our relationship to the planet which is the mother the great mother Hmm. um if anyone relates to that who's listening we've got the societal mother wound which is how the mother wound affects us and as a society you know both men and women have a mother wound um so you know essentially you've got lots of adults um, with little children who are kind of running the show inside who have you know wounds to their parents and how that affects us as a society is huge and then you've got the spiritual mother wound and I think well I know the further you go along this journey of reconnecting to self the more you the more I like to kind of use the analogy of the more the lens dissolves and you know without getting too woo woo um <laughs> it's hard to explain but the more I connected to the earth uh the divine mother you know the the ocean the sky like you know all my intuition that's a huge one but all of that is clouded when you don't have a safe relationship to your mother whether you're in a relationship with her or not I work with women whose mothers died 10 years ago you know she's not even on this planet anymore yet there's this there's this untrust there's this unsafety within them um, because their relationship to mother was not something that they could trust so therefore they don't trust the world they don't trust other people uh, and they don't trust themselves so this work like it it just goes deep And and I truly believe the mother wound is a gateway to to just knowing yourself and I think you know especially if you have children you're just you're doing yourself and your kids such a disservice I think if you don't um look at look at this within you because of what's possible when you when you do heal it I really love what you've just said there about oh I love all of what you've just said there but the the part that you mentioned there about a deep distrust of self I really relate to that really relate to that it is that kind of lack of listening to your own intuition lack of willingness to hear yourself I think sometimes I'll I'll say to when I'm speaking to my therapist I'll sort of say to her yeah but I knew that was what was going to happen and I was almost like I was sat screaming at myself going this is what's happening can you make it stop please this is not okay 
and yet completely mm. ignoring it. And she'll also say to me with talk about inner child, again, something I thought was quite kooky before I before I started to learn about psychology, before I started to learn about the importance of looking at self, of looking at your upbringing. Again, whether you've got a healthy relationship or not, I still think it's incredibly important to look at that inner child and say, okay, where are we at? Like, <laughs> are you... Yeah. How are you ticking? Because we're okay yeah. here, but like, where where are you yeah. at? I thought, you know, I, I grew up, if, I, if my mum had have heard the term inner child, she would have really mocked it. And I grew up with that attitude of, that's for other people. How weird. Uh, no, not at all. It is something that is so important. and something that we all have, whether we have a positive relationship, a positive upbringing, a, a negative experience, whatever it is, we all have an inner child. And I can tell when I'm, I can now, I couldn't then, but I can tell now when I'm answering from my inner child or whether I'm answering as an adult. Um, yeah. And it, it, the difference in them is huge. I um, recently had an experience, I've talked about it on um, episode two of the podcast, where I was talking about different experiences. And you'd said earlier that your your truths can coexist. Um, mm-hmm. One of my dad's adopted children got in touch with me. I've never met them, um, but she was very cross because I'd mentioned that I'd had a negative experience with my dad and her experience was so positive before he passed away. And I, I know that old Harriet would have answered her messages with real anger. And I just mm-hmm. didn't because I answered them as an adult who could say quite clearly okay, but I'm not seeking to invalidate your experience. And I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm not saying this person wasn't wonderful for you. But for me, this was my experience. This was my upbringing. And that's just as valid as yours. And my therapist was like, Harriet, I was very grown up with you. I'm good. That was there. That was your. That was not your inner child that took over on that one. I was like, she. Nope. She was in agreement with me, and I just. There was such a difference in how you could answer things when you've done the work and you're continuing to do the work and continuing to look at yourself and say, okay, am I coming at this from a healed place? Am I coming at this from a wounded place? Am I angry? How am I feeling? And check in with yourself. Yeah, the the inner child thing, like I, and you probably feel this way and anyone that's listening, you know, when you, I can look around now, you know, and I, every day I'll be like, it's just so clear, you know, how many, um, how many adults you know externally are just are just wounded children you know just in their behaviors and things Mm -hmm. like that and you know you only have to look at your romantic relationship you know my I'm married to my husband Ed and it's just so many so many points in our relationship and even now you know because that's what we do we take our inner child and we put it in our partner's lap and we unconsciously ask them to take care of them for us because we don't want to do it and you know it's taking that responsibility you know how many times have you found yourself in an altercation with your kid and it's just two fucking kids having an argument (laughs) yeah so often (laughs) yeah and it's just taking that accountability and that responsibility um I see where I see a lot of and and this was me too like I did struggle with inner child work um especially because in the beginning I was like I am not talking to myself it's not yeah it's just weird um and it wasn't easy and you know I say this to a lot of my clients you know because they're just starting to code I really don't want to you know and you know I don't want to do anything but one of the reasons it is quite difficult is because got to understand that there's there's a little girl inside of us or little boy um who doesn't trust us Mm, yeah (laughs) because a long long time they've not got what they need and from from mother father and we have also not been turning within you know so that there is there is a level of distrust there and it, and it does take time for for her to begin trusting you and you know that does happen and when it starts to you know you just gave that beautiful example like when that starts to happen it's just so beautiful but it doesn't it's I don't think it's immediate and I think that's a really important distinction to make because mm. you know that will perpetuate the shame that you already feel at the core of this wound you know when it doesn't work for me we like to yes. think that we're we like to think that we're special don't we we you do know, we like to think that doesn't that won't work for me well that's mm-hmm. not for me and it's like come on 
you know and it's just allowing the ego to just dissolve a little bit um because we're not special and it will work and how much of that is just a story because we actually don't want to accept the thing that we're absolutely terrified of accepting which is I'm never going to get that yeah oh yeah so true and I think exactly as you say we do like to think we're special we do like to think and I I touched on this when I'd said that I was launching the podcast and why I wanted to launch it because I think one of the reasons that we feel so isolated when we do go through through something like an estrangement or we are dealing with a toxic family member and that toxic relationship rather um is this attitude that unless we can physically see it it must just be us and Mm. yeah I think it's so easy to assume that that there will be the exception that it won't work for us but it, it does work it does carry power to look introspectively and what sort of advice do you give your clients when you're dealing with the mother wound on reparenting themselves on coming to that acceptance that okay no one's coming in to do that for you you you're gonna have to kind of take the reins here yeah yeah I think one of and this probably won't be the obvious answer but I think this will be the most helpful um and just it literally follows on from what we've just said but I think the 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 mother wound is a relational wound it's it's as a result of the very first relationship that you ever had before you even came earthside so it's really deep and really profound with that being said we try and heal it in isolation because we feel safer again with we don't want to be alone and we don't want to be on our own healing this however there is this illusion um, a very believable illusion that it's safer that way yeah um the biggest thing that i've learned and the biggest bit of advice i can give to anybody is this is a relational wound and that that safety is an illusion and the best way the best way to to heal this wound is to allow yourself to heal it in a relationship with somebody, anyone that you feel safe with. Yeah. That holds space for you and can reflect back to you what you can't necessarily see. And that's a process and it takes time and, and it really can be anybody. You know, I remember I um, I had a friend, I didn't have really anybody, you know, there was my husband and that relationship has been incredibly healing for me, but, um, we we are we are afraid of vulnerability we are so afraid of intimacy and we are we are so afraid of allowing ourselves to be seen because you know and you mentioned earlier about the hyper independence you know mm. so afraid at the very core that if we allow people to see us they're going to see something they don't like and they're going to leave oh yeah that abandonment um, fear yeah yeah and that that is at the core of everything you know that is at the core of you not going for an opportunity that you want to go for that you know any career like you know you can do it you know you're best but there's this fear of being seen you know coaches mentors you know that have an online presence you know you have such important work to bring to the world and you think about it every second of the day because it's just it's what lights you up but there is just this fear of allowing yourself to be seen so you just stay under the radar just enough yeah knowing it's just this it's this constant cycle you know but at the very core it's what's running that so relationships and just allowing yourself to be heard practicing speaking um what's true for you with somebody that you feel safe with is so incredibly healing and then remothering reparenting from that point the shame dissolves in in relationships you know and when you can create different experiences in those interactions so then the shame that the stories and the interactions you have with yourself there's more there's more compassion there and it's like it's definitely a process and it's like a you know it's like a bit of this and then a bit and you it's quite hard to explain but like you just notice it beginning to shift but I would say definitely um relationship and just you know just allowing that to because that is how you heal a relational wound it's you know it's definitely gonna shave off so much time for you 
Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's that it's that letting your guard down, but that can be so hard to do. And it's it's important for people to remember as well that these things do take time. And I know that sounds so cliche, but it is a process. And there's a reason they call it shadow work because it's work. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes consistency and being showing up for yourself. And I think that that's often missed as you said earlier we want to see these immediate results but they're not they're not going to (laughs) come it's it's slowly slowly I'm noticing small changes in the way that you do things the way that you set boundaries for example one of my boundaries obviously is is to not have my mum in my life and to have her blocked across social media um if somebody is you know getting in touch with me on her behalf I would remove them as well from social media Mm -hmm. and and from having that access to me that for me is a boundary uh that took time to put into place I I've often felt like that's something I should be quite guilty for and I think there's a lot of guilt and shame around setting boundaries around protecting your peace it's all part of doing that work yeah yeah and one of the biggest bits of advice I can give around boundaries people ask me all the time like how can I set boundaries easier like how can I feel less guilty like how can I uphold them um more one thing I found to be truly transformational with boundaries is start with yourself because ultimately boundaries with yourself is where it starts and ends and that makes it so much easier to uphold them with other people you know you can you can try and put in a boundary with someone else but if you're not doing what you say you're going to do and you're not holding yourself to integrity um you don't trust yourself so therefore the boundaries with others are ineffective does that make sense it does and I really love that because I've never actually thought about it as setting a boundary with myself as kind of Mm. I've always sort of I've always taken the more I guess aggressive way of looking at it being like I'm holding myself accountable which can almost sound quite aggressive (laughs) But it's, yeah, it's so setting that. that boundary with myself and saying to myself, okay, that negative self-talk, I do journaling in the morning and the evening. And it's just like one of the, I use the positive planner at the minute. Uh, I want to get myself the six minute journal, just a little bit Ooh. of practicing gratitude and just a little bit, take two or three minutes first thing in the morning and last thing at night, just to reflect with myself. And I, again, hearing myself say that is like, who are you? Because Five years ago, I would have thought that, okay, sure, great, you do that. I'm going to be knuckling down and working. I'm going to be doing this. And yeah, it's so important for me. And one of the things that I write in there quite often is that today we're going to challenge negative thoughts because I sit in quite a negative space. I know I do. So for me, one of my boundaries with myself is that when those negative thoughts pop up, I will challenge it and I will look at it and go, is that accurate? Is it true? is it fair? Is it right? Should we, would you say that to somebody else? And that kind of keeps me in that space. I think that word is interesting in itself, Harriet. Like I, it's interesting that you use the word challenge. Mm. I wonder if a word like observe or get curious about would be a more exactly the same thing, but just a more loving, um, invitational way to um, look at your thoughts. Rather oh, than yes. See, even there, it's that aggressional tone that I probably wouldn't take with anybody. Well, I say I wouldn't take with anybody else. I remember saying to we were I was having an argument with my husband once. I said to him, "No, you need to be accountable for that." And I was telling my therapist, like, I told him this, and she'd sort of said, mm, "That comes across quite aggressive, doesn't it?" <laughs> and it wasn't wrong in what I was saying but it was quite confrontational in the way that I was wording it as opposed to saying, okay, let's sit down as adults and talk about this and work out. Yes. Okay. There is accountability for this hundred percent, but instead of it being, you need to do this, how can we turn the conversation? So even there with challenge, like you say, it's always that aggressional tone with yourself. And that's a learned behavior that I have as of yet to let go of. Yeah, exactly. And that's all it is, you know, and it comes back to what we said earlier, you know, that's just, us feeling like we have power over that language you know we feel more in control being more uh being harsher on ourselves and just being you know just it's, it comes down to kind of authority and your relationship to authority was a whole different conversation but 
um, you know, it's just, what is that, you know, um, I've, and this is remothering, you know, you asked me earlier about the remothering, like, that's all it is, you know, and it's not always, you know, remothering isn't always um, the bubble baths and the buying yourself flowers, even mm. though that's so remothering is, you know, well, how can I lovingly hold myself accountable? Like, what does self-discipline look like? Like, you know, remothering for me looks like, not giving myself too many passes actually and doing the things that I don't feel like doing because I care for myself that much but it's just about the language that we use to talk to ourselves and that's it that's all it is um you know and, and over time those subtleties have have really really huge impacts yeah they do and I think you've just mentioned there as well remothering for me I think it's really important for people to realize that remothering will look different for every single person and a mother wound will look different for every single person because quite often when we see this in conversations around self-care somebody's self-care might be meditating in the morning that's not for me I find it really, really difficult. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Somebody's self-care might be having a green smoothie and taking five minutes to journal in the morning. And that's not for me. And that's okay. And it will be the same with remothering, with the mother wound. It's addressing your wound and addressing your what you missed out on, what you needed that wasn't given to you, because that's going to be different for every person. We're all different as it is. And we all will have had different lived experiences, even though they're so very similar and have led us to similar paths in either challenging a toxic dynamic or learning to cope with a toxic dynamic or estrangement. But for every single one of us that has something different that they've experienced, there's going to be a different way of reparenting that and readdressing how we need to move forwards. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to add to that as well, because there'll be, you know, there might be a lot of women listening here that have really great relationships with their mothers and they're really close with them. Um, and that's wonderful. And even even in that, you know, I work, I work with women who are like, Michaela, I have a really good relationship with my mum, but I'm really drawn to your work. And I'm like, cool, come in. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, it's almost irrelevant. And I don't want to say that flippantly, but it it's so much about the relationship to yourself like even if you had a great relationship with your mother like you know there's things that you want to do and achieve in your life I work with I've got one client at the moment um incredibly like her visions are insane like we have so much fun on our calls but there's this group of her that you know she has such this great relationship with her mum and her mum achieved xyz in her life and my client keeps sabotaging she keeps censoring herself mm-hmm. and she doesn't mm-hmm. know why and we're kind of getting to this piece now where you know there's a part of her that wants it but there's a part of her that doesn't want to surpass her mum and doesn't want to leave her behind yeah um wow. so there's this ceiling that she's kind of keeping herself under because she feels safer so it's about redefining her relationship to her mother and just what she's made that mean so that she can then live a life that's more more aligned and and true for her yeah that's really interesting isn't it it's that I guess there's so much betrayal um tied up in our experiences with our mother and so much shame as you've said before it's even in those positive relationships it's it's still there quite often and we don't we're not even conscious of it we don't even realize it no definitely not not at all you know in the betrayal like it's that safe self-betrayal isn't it it's like Mm. I want my mum to be happy and she's so happy so I'm just not going to say this thing or I don't need to do that or you know and it you know it's so unconscious and and there's nothing wrong with it say that because I think one thing that we tend to do as mothers especially if you're a mother listening to this is you're going to be like holy shit I'm messing up my kids I'm doing this yeah and they're going to feel like you know you can't escape this you know everybody has a mother wound and I don't think it's important I think it's fundamentally impossible not to because we are Mm. all human it's just impossible so let yourself off the hook immediately in that regard it's just it's impossible not to it's just to what degree and it's just about just becoming just becoming more aware and just asking yourself the question so many people just live on default you just live on default with a set of beliefs and a story that isn't even theirs and they don't even know it yeah 
you know so it just gets passed on uh and and that's just the way it is and it has been and what we're seeing is we're starting to see more language now and people are like oh okay and people are asking themselves the questions they're getting curious which is why you're seeing a lot of what we're seeing um and that in itself is such an incredible thing to do for your kids it is it's so powerful because i look at my upbringing and i don't want that to be repeated for my children but equally and I'll, i get this thrown at me quite a lot where people say oh you think you're so perfect then you wait and there's that kind of threat when there's the pushback of you wait until it's your turn and nobody here thinks that they are perfect. It's it's not mm-hmm. about perfection. It's about looking at, okay, how can we do this differently? And then, again, taking that accountability for when we do mess up, but acknowledging that those things are going to happen and it's how we address them. It's really scary yeah. when you're a parent and you've had that negative experience of a parent, I, I feel anyway, to know that, yeah, okay, I can sit here and say, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna repeat the cycle, I'm not gonna do that, but what am I gonna do? And actually is is that gonna be enough? Is it gonna be okay? And all you can do is do your best, do the work, notice the things that you don't feel comfortable with that make you question, that make you say, okay how could I have done that differently and have that open honest communication and I I use that phrase all the time when I'm talking about how I parent my kids that open honest Mm -hmm. communication my son turned to me the other day when we were doing maths homework and I I hate maths I'm really bad at it oh it is the worst give me English maths that that is so interesting in itself oh really why you know how many women I'm gonna keep this really short because I'll go off on a tangent but do you know how many women say to me I'm so bad at maths and this was a story that I had about myself as well and it is so so common that women have this story that they're bad at math and I think it is so interesting so interesting and and I would I would you know I would invite you to think about that story and actually just weigh that against what you do know about your maths and what you've been told about your maths when you were doing math work and I just it's so interesting because that story comes up with women all the time you know I was a nurse for 14 years and I used to do really hard drug calculations and I nailed them every time. Yeah, I carried this story that I was really bad at maths. And when my daughter started doing maths homework, I just used to get my husband to do it. Yeah. Uh, And it's just such an interesting thing that comes up a lot um, is this story of I'm bad at maths. Oh, Um, do you know, stop it. Because now I'm sat thinking about it during the pandemic. Well, it's kind of making sense because during the pandemic and the kids even say it to me, not like mummy's really bad at maths and I'm not quick at maths. Like if you ask me seven times eight, I'm going to have to sit with it for a minute. I'm that, that level of, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I like pass me the calculator, but actually I manage all the family finances. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, and just one thing I just want because I think we've just got a really great invitation here to kind of point out how this happens and I don't want you to kind of go to a place of shame because this is also my experience as well but my my mum used to say she was bad at maths and when you consider how the mother wound works and how this relational kind of wound works and how we don't want to make her feel bad we're going to associate with that story easily whether we realize it or not do you know that's so interesting because Toby turned around to me earlier and said, I'm not very good at maths. And I was like, I've literally just had your parent teach a conversation. And your teacher was like, This kid is a whiz at maths. Yeah. So, so it's just yeah. just an invitation how what we say. And again, you know, don't I don't want anyone to get inside their own head. Like I, you know, I very much do this to feel I think, oh my God, oh my God. But yeah. it, it's just it's so it's just such like powerful stuff and I think that's a really good example of how it imprints oh do you know I'm going to be unpacking that all day now because (laughs) I just the more I'm thinking about it the more I'm like well actually no because I worked my ass off at school to scrape a C so that I could study psychology and this was back when GCSEs were not done by one to nine it was A to B to C to you failed it um and I just I worked my ass off to get there and I remember both my mum my teachers myself all of us were kind of under the agreement that I was shit at maths like I'm not good at it and yet 
I had 20% attendance and still managed to scrape that C because I was determined to do it. So I'm not that bad. Well, there you go then. You know, there you go. A journal prompt for you could be mm. uh, around this story, you know. Um, is this story serving me? And is this a story from my, you know, what is this? And can I let go of it? Oh, Michaela, next week I'm going to be doing calculus. <laughs> <laughs> I am like... Then now you've just made me think. I'm like, actually, I'm going to be going through to my husband and be like, oh, I'm not bad at math. I didn't, I didn't know. No, yeah, I don't. And I just wanted to point that out. I know we went off on a little bit of a tangent. We did, yes. What I know about that story is there's going to be so many people listening to this that are going to come to that realisation, I hope as well, because it's it's just simply not true. It, if you really, truly unpack that, it's not true. Yeah, I just maybe learn it a different way because I get there in the end. But where I was actually going with that was Ruben. It was before we tangent and discovered that actually I could be a maths whiz and just not unlock that potential yet. Um, but where we were saying about um, how we communicate with our children and I was saying how I have that open, honest communication. I was getting really frustrated with Ruben because he was he was just dragging his feet and he couldn't be bothered to do the homework the way that he knows he needs to. So they have to write down a code. It's all done digitally. And if he doesn't write down that code, he's then going to trip himself up and end up having to repeat work that he's already done. It's all a bit of a faff, not the best mm. system, but it does work and it does keep them making sure that they're doing the working out and they can't use the calculator and things. So, OK, fair enough. And in the end, I'd sat there and I'd got I was getting so angry with him and I was taking deep breaths and trying to remember, you know, I'm not going to snap. I'm not going to shout at him. I'm not going to snap at him. And I said to him, but you see, Ruben, if you'd have just done what you were meant to do and he just put his, he put his little stylus down and just went. Could you stop, please? Because I can see that you're upset and you're making me upset. And that's not going to be good for either of us. And I was like, oh, God. And I just looked at him and I went, I apologize, Ruben. You know, I find maths quite hard anyway. And it's frustrating me that you've not done it the way that you know you needed to do it. So you've tripped yourself up. And I know that you want to get on and do other things. And I know that if you'd have just done what you were meant to do, you would have had this all finished by now. And we wouldn't be going in this cycle. So I'm getting frustrated, but I apologize for that. He went, it's all right, but just you're upsetting me by getting angry with me. So if you could not, that'd be great. And I just thought, okay, the fact that I would never have dared. And he wasn't rude. It was so calm and polite. It was just a case of, could you knock it off? Like, there's no need for you to be getting so angry with me. Can you just knock it off? And it, it had such, it, just in that moment, seeing how he communicated with me differently to how I would have communicated was yeah. really powerful for me. And I had to sit with it for a bit and think, okay, he's managed to set aside his frustration and say, you're upsetting me, stop. So now it's your turn to do the, do your bit and say, yeah, okay, I apologize for that. Yeah, it's, I, I love that aspect of conscious parenting. Would you call it conscious parenting? I know there's like lots of words. I don't even know what yeah. to call it, to be honest. But yeah, that aspect of parenting, like when they argue back and it just yeah. humbles you and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, you got a point. Like, it's just, it's hilarious. I mean, it's, it's triggering. It's really yeah. difficult really really difficult um but yeah your ability to kind of take a step back and be like ah oh, okay yeah and uh I love the fact that you feel safe enough to do that um I'm just thinking about uh that interaction with him and yeah just now you know about the math thing I wonder you know if that was the frustration it, it's never about the thing it's about what we believe about the thing yes um, Oh, that's so true, because what was frustrating me was the fact that he'd not done. And I think as well, if I'd have looked back at that situation with me, I'd have been getting shouted at. And I think that it's that cycle. Yeah. And that's where the generational trauma comes in and breaking that cycle by saying, you know yeah. what, I'm going to do it a different way. And it's funny with you saying with them arguing back, because now he's he's very nearly 12 and he's, he's much more like sort of 14, 15 in his whole in his hormones um and he he will argue back and he will some I mean sometimes he'll shout back and I will just say okay just take a deep breath let's not talk to each other like that and he'll go right 
sorry yeah sorry and then he might he sulks because he's a teenager you know he's coming into that tween teen phase of course he does he doesn't know how to express his emotions fully but it's for me to guide him and if I'm shouting at him like I was shouted at we're not we're not guiding anything it's just coming at an impasse and it helps no one yeah yeah and you know as well the shouting happens like I think I shout of course you know it happens and one thing I've I've come to realize is it's it's not about a free pass at this point it's just about recognizing the importance of repair you know and the importance of one thing I say to myself a lot is how and I say this in all aspects of my life how willing am I to be wrong because Mm. I have found my direct ability how 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 willing I am to be wrong is directly correlated with how much um, I can see and hold and how much growth is kind of associated with that thing you know and you know with kids and with raising kids like there's a there's a lot that I've had to accept not necessarily is wrong because but yeah is just yeah especially around like discipline and things like that you know I've just chosen a different way and yeah it's oh gosh yeah it's a bit it's a big one Um, it's a really big one and again it's I'm hoping that anybody listening will know that shouting and losing your temper they're all normal things and we all do them it's like you say it's that repair and it's how you address it afterwards maybe when you've taken a minute to calm down and come back and say look mummy shouted because and I am really sorry about that it wasn't my intention to lose my temper but sometimes frustrations boil over and that's normal however how can we come to a solution together now yeah absolutely and you know the more that the more that you heal and and uh, yeah heal the relationship to self just just the easier all of that is like the easier you're able to take a step back and observe what's happening like something that I've realized is there's a little girl inside of me as I'm trying to consciously parent my children and hold space for their big emotions I've got a four-year-old boy he has big mm-hmm. emotions I mean yeah and he you know I'm holding space for him and there's a little girl inside of me that's like she's pissed off because she's like I never got this yeah you know you're giving it to him and you know obviously this is all unconscious like I'm not actually talking to myself but <laughs> there's this resistance within me which is making me get angry at him and actually it's coming from within me and it's being able to recognize that and it just helps so much well how often do we hear especially from older older family members I had to deal with it so just get on with it and I think that goes back very much to the inner child saying well that's not fair and it's not fair it's not fair. And we all know yeah. that. We all know that it's not fair if you had a really toxic upbringing to see some, to see the next generation not having it. It doesn't mean that you want that for them, but it, it, it's unfair. It makes you reflect upon your own and go, oh, actually. And it hurts. It does. And I think sometimes it's sitting with that and saying, okay, yeah, I didn't get that, but you're going to get it because it's what's right it's what feels right for me it's what feels better for you so that's where we're going to go yeah absolutely and you you know even though your childhood is over and you can't go back and redo that I promise you like you can give it to yourself in ways that you you just blow your own mind just I blow my own mind with how I feel about myself and how I live and it's just it's it's possible it really really is and then it feels like it doesn't matter in a weird way like it feels like it doesn't matter like you know I'll never forget the pain that I went through but it doesn't live in my body anymore yeah I think that's really positive and important for people to know is that there is that light at the end of the tunnel that by doing that shadow work and by reparenting yourself and allowing yourself to acknowledge that yes these experiences happen but what do I need now how can I meet my needs now there's that light at the end of the tunnel and there is hope if you like there is a place that you can reach where that pain is not affecting you. Michaela, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. Not only have you managed to encourage me to look at my maths, (laughs) 
but more on a serious note it's just it's been wonderful to speak to you and I know that this episode is going to be so powerful for so many people because I think sometimes mm-hmm. when you are in the thick of it you don't realize that there's an end you think oh well I'm always going to miss that and I'm always going to wish that I had that and you don't realize you can actually be it for yourself and that's really power there it's really powerful there is power in knowing that you have it within you to yeah. be those things that you need yeah absolutely absolutely I mean, and you don't need to know how that looks yeah exactly and you don't need to know where it's going and how it looks you just have to trust the process yeah 100 percent. thank you so much Michaela would you let thank- people know where they can find you and link up your socials and that kind of thing as well you've got your estrangement project so please do link all those up and let me know where people can find you yeah absolutely we can we can pop it in the bio but instagram is probably the the best most comprehensive place to find me amazing and that's it I am Michaela Tyson it is yeah fantastic well thank you so much and thank you for listening guys I hope that this episode has been really helpful for you imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.